Well, good morning. My name is John. I'm a pastor here at New City. It's good to be worshiping with you, even if it is only virtually on YouTube. I look forward to the next time we're able to worship in person again. A little while ago, I was talking with a friend of mine, and he was recounting an interesting story. He told me about a moving experience he had had at a, a place that had a lot of nostalgia for him. He was there, and he witnessed a person engaged in this act of service and love. And when he saw this happening, he found himself deeply moved, and he started to weep. He, he wasn't expecting this. It's just like the tears came, and he wasn't expecting it. And as he was telling me about it, he was telling me that he doesn't usually cry and that they startled him, the tears startled him. And um, it was clear to me as he was sharing that something in his spirit had been stirred or moved in the witnessing of this act of service and love. And the more he was uh, talking about it, the more it seemed to me that God was trying to say something to him. Like the voice of the spirit was trying to grab his attention and invite him into something new through these tears. Do you know what that feels like? You know what it feels like when God is inviting you into something new? When I asked my friend this question, he seemed a little resistant. He wasn't sure that this was God speaking to him. He doubted that his tears had this sort of spiritual meaning. And in his resistance to even considering this, I recognize something that I often do. God calls out to me, but when he does, I, I resist that invitation. I even doubt it. God invites me into this deeper life with him, but I would rather do something else. God seeks me out and moves or stirs something in my soul, but I hide myself in the to-dos of the day. As Christians, we often pray prayers in some way or another that express our desire to meet with God. God, if you only come to me, if you only reveal yourself to me. But what I have noticed is that you and I often embody the opposite desire. When God does come to us, when he does invite us, we resist him and avoid him. That's the message of our parable for today. If you're new here, we're in a Lenten sermon series. Today's actually Palm Sunday. On the stories of Jesus, the stories that Jesus told. Each week, we're looking at a different parable. And Jesus told these parables, these sort of fables with an underlying truth about spiritual life. Because we often overestimate our understanding of the spiritual life and our maturity in spiritual things. And in these parables, Jesus opens up the truth or a new truth about the kingdom to us in ways that we might otherwise miss because we assume we already understand everything. Kierkegaard described Jesus' parables as stories that deceive us into truth. And the truth that Jesus wants to deceive us into for today is simply this. We often think faith in God and closeness to God is hard because God is nowhere to be found. That he isn't speaking, or that he is absent, or has abandoned us. We wrongly believe that we are seeking God, but God is hiding from us. But Jesus, in this parable, says it's exactly the opposite. God's in pursuit of you and me. He's repeatedly interrupting our lives with these invitations to go deeper with him but we aren't interested in his invitations. In fact, we're doing our best to ignore and hide from God when he invites us. This is the deep truth Jesus wants us to understand about the kingdom. God isn't avoiding us. He's pursuing us and inviting 
us into relation with him. It is us who are resisting his invitations. Let's look at the parable that Sidney read for us. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, It's set up with uh, a short question and then a a story that Jesus tells in response to the question. And the question is spoken by a Pharisee as a sort of assumption that you and I often make about the kingdom or the spiritual life that isn't right. And the person who's speaking or asking this question is a Pharisee. He's sitting at a table full of Pharisees in a Pharisee's house at a dinner party. And I imagine that they're all trying to seem super spiritual. And this question is sort of phrased in a way where he's trying to show off how wise and mature and spiritual he is. Luke 14, 15 says this. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat in the feast in the kingdom of God. This person is making this statement in response to what Jesus had said just in the verses before where Jesus was talking about practicing hospitality towards those in the margin of society who couldn't repay us if we welcomed them in. And this man is then pivoting towards a conversation with God. He's trying to spiritualize the simple thing that Jesus was talking about. And he does it by asking a question slash making a statement that is, in my opinion, designed to, to show off how spiritually he is. I'm sure you've experienced people doing this before. Maybe at like a medical conference, somebody goes to the mic and, and to make a comment and they're just kind of showing off or in business school or, or maybe in your classroom at French Immersion, someone raises their hand to ask a question, ask a question. They're really just sucking up to the teacher. When I think back to seminary, this happened all the time because I, I think religious people are constantly wanting to prove how mature they are. And like this Pharisee, a student would raise their hand to ask a question, but then fill their question with all sorts of language, Hebrew, Greek, maybe a little French or German, abstract theological concepts. And they weren't really asking them. They just wanted to show off how smart they were. And I, and I think that is what this person is doing. He's spiritualizing Jesus' statement about extending hospitality towards others and in the process revealing how much we often misunderstand about the spiritual life. In a nutshell, his, uh, his question or statement goes something like this. How fortunate are we, should God choose to be hospitable towards us and invite us into this future heavenly banquet in the kingdom of God? And this statement is woefully misguided. First, because of the assumption that only a few are lucky enough to receive this blessed invitation to dwell with God in intimacy. Another way, he's assuming that many people are longing to be invited, but God is really stingy with with who he's going to invite. He only wants the the best and the most elite spiritual people to be at that table. And lastly, he assumes that entrance into the kingdom of God is some future experience, that, that, that we feast in the kingdom at some time in the future. We have that intimacy later on, but not now. And these assumptions all reflect a sort of spiritual elitism that undergirds so many of our beliefs about who God wants to be in fellowship with. Like these Pharisees, we often assume that that God wants the super spiritual people and that he's only inviting people who are good enough. And I'm sure the people around the table love this because they were considered the most holy in their society. They probably assumed that the people at that table, eating with Jesus right there, would be the very same few people who would be in heaven with God in the future kingdom. But Jesus wants us to know just how out of place this hierarchy is in God's kingdom and how broadly God extends his invitations to people. So he tells us this parable. And the first thing that he wants us to see 
That's how badly God wants to be with us. How not stingy he is with his invitations. Luke 14, 16 to 17 says this, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, everything is now ready. And immediately what stands out is that this person who's throwing this feast wants it to be a big party. He doesn't want it to be a small gathering of only the best people. He wants it to be a huge feast. So he simply delights in people at the celebration. And in the ancient world, eating a meal together represented more than just eating a meal. It represented connectedness and a social bond. Meals were a way to have social ties. And so if this man represent God, then what Jesus wants us to know is that God is sending out invitations to everyone because he longs for you and me to be in relationship, for intimacy with God. It's like God has this deep desire for fellowship with us. And this desire for fellowship with you causes him to send out invitations to you over and over. Jesus has many invitations. Sends out invitations to anyone who is willing to respond. He keeps trying to invite you and me into fellowship with him. We may get multiple invitations in a single day. God may be sending us and inviting us over and over into relationship with him. In verse 18, Jesus says this, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Jesus says that when we receive an invitation from God, we make excuses. And the excuses seem pretty lame. I just bought a field? Where's the field going to go that you can't leave it for a few hours to go to a party? Or, I just bought an oxen and I want to try them out. That's why you don't want to go to a party. Or, I'm married. Married people can't go to parties. Why would marriage or an oxen prevent you from going to a party? Or buying a field? I think the point Jesus is trying to make is that these are lame excuses. The real truth is simply this. We don't want to go to God's party. We don't want to be intimate with God. When God invites us into relationship with him, we often moan and make excuses. Then Jesus makes the extraordinary revelation about how God feels about this. He's hurt and wounded by our rejection. Verse 21 First, in the first half of it says this, servant came back, reported his master, then the owner of the house became angry. God is wounded by us. That's what Jesus is saying. God is in pursuit of us, but we aren't that interested in him. And, and this becomes the story of Jesus' life, clearly represented on the cross. God comes into the world in pursuit of a relationship with us, and we reject him to the point of crucifixion. And the final point Jesus wants us to hear about the kingdom is that it is the religious leaders who are especially prone to reject God's invitation. This is shocking. The very people you would expect to be at the party aren't there. So God's invitation goes out to everyone, and, and some of the least expected end up responding to it. We read this. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. 
Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Again, this is a parable and a metaphor, but, but the point is clear. Jesus wants those at the dinner party, those religious leaders to understand that they're invited, but they're not responding. And the people who you wouldn't think would respond aren't responding to this invitation. And while I'm sure they felt uncomfortable with this, because it's dismantling their sense of superiority, ultimately this isn't really a parable of judgment. It's a parable of tremendous good news. It's a, it's a parable that answers a fundamental question about who is invited into relationship with God and about who God loves and about who God wants to be in fellowship with. And what Jesus is telling us is that the Father is inviting us over and over and over again. He longs for us to respond to his invitation. The primary takeaway is that you are invited. God's not hiding from you. God's in pursuit of you. He's not stingy with his presence or his invitations to intimacy. God is inviting you right now. And Jesus wants us all to consider, why are we resisting and rejecting his invitation? I imagine some of you may be wondering, how am I resisting God? Or, or how is God even inviting me right now? And this requires that you and I learn to, to listen hear God's invitation in everyday life. The reality is that God's invitation doesn't come in the mail. This is a parable, which means invitations are a metaphor to describe the deep mysteries of the spiritual life in the kingdom of God. Jesus says God's sending out many invitations, and this means that there are invitations going out to people in all walks of life, and that there are many coming to us every day. So you and I have to grow in our capacity to notice them. Now, I wish I could give you three simple ways and you'd just go out and you could notice all these invitations, but we really do have to grow in this. One of the things we're doing in our listening prayer groups is learning to pay attention to how God is inviting us in different ways. And so if you haven't done that, I invite you to sign up at some point and try that out. But for now, in this space, let me, let me just attempt to name a few ways we can listen for God's invitations in our life. The first is in our desires. And some of our desires obviously are carnal or selfish, but many of them reflect our deep, holy longings for God. Fundamentally, all our desires are, are, are rooted in this desire for God. And so there is a divine invitation behind many of our desires. And, and we can grow in our capacity to hear God's invitation to us by learning how to discern between different types of desires. A second place of invitations are strong emotions. God uses our emotions to invite us into a more truthful way of living. There's usually an invitation in our strong feelings. Not always obvious, but if we pray our emotions and, and pay attention, we can notice what God might be inviting us into. Another invitation comes through the experience of faith or hope or love. These are things that are all born of God. So when we experience them, the Spirit is doing something in us, calling us to something. Another place we experience God's invitation is in silence. That experience of knowing God is near when you sit in utter silence and you have the experience of having your thoughts get really, really quiet. God's inviting us into intimacy in that space. He's healing us of hurts in that silence. 
And lastly, maybe in rest, there's an invitation. Not just vacation rest or taking a nap rest, though it can be in that. The kind of rest where we stop our striving and we rest in grace. Now, these things may sound commonplace to you, and they are. And it just reflects the, the manyness of God's invitation to us. The invitations are plentiful, but really we're not very good at responding to them. Receiving invitations is where we're struggling. God's sending out invitations. You and I have to learn to respond to God's invitation. Let me close by sharing how I've experienced a couple invitations this week. The first came as I read through the, the Red Prayer Book. The psalm for the week was Psalm 36. And it's, it's been fertile ground for me hearing God's voice. But most recently, the verse where he says, I think David says, in your light we see light. There's something that moved within me, and I sat and prayed with that. And noticed God's invitation to me to walk in obedience with him. As I remain connected to God and in step with him, it's like the whole world became, becomes saturated with the light of God. In the light of God's presence, the whole world becomes full of light. And I see beauty in many more things. Another invitation came when I heard a poem by a poet, David White, that was read on the On Being podcast. There's a YouTube version of him reading it. Uh, I invite you to check it out. Everything is waiting for you by on, in the On Being version. And the poem is really all about invitation and paying attention to what's going on around you and, and showing up as your whole self, your whole vulnerable self to every moment of every day. And as I heard this poem, I noticed this desire starting to arise within me. It was pretty simple. I noticed this desire, and it was something like this. It was just like, I want to do that. I want to show up as my true self in every moment of every day. I know it's vulnerable, but I don't want to pretend. I want to make peace with my vulnerability and refuse to wear any masks as I relate to others and go through my day. This is my best attempt to articulation invitation that I sense the Spirit making to me as I heard this poem in the form of a desire. In the moment, it was just this strong desire. I had to sit and notice and pray with it. But as I prayed this desire, I came away with this awareness of what God was inviting me into, this new way of being. This whole experience lasted about 15 minutes, but the result was very energizing. Life became a little more celebratory, kind of like a party. I felt like I had more love for those around me. I had more hope about my life as I sensed God with me and I tried to show up as my honest self. I was a little bit more humble and less needy. In all, this desire was an invitation to enter into greater intimacy with God and I found myself happy as a result. In the midst of our chaotic world full of pain and suffering, God is inviting you to intimacy with him. Will you stop resisting? and notice and respond to whatever invitation God is making to you. Let's pray. Gracious Father, tune our hearts to you to hear your voice and respond to your many invitations today. Amen.